and welcome to Jumpcast. I am one of your hosts, Alex. Joining me as always to talk the week's film news, trailers, and latest releases is Simon. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm good. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing well. Good. Good. Um, How are you? I yeah, I'm not bad, thank you. Yeah. Just keep plodding along as usual. Good. Um, and usually, in the second slash third chair, would be our wonderful co-host Charlotte. However, for the next couple of weeks, she's going to be taking some time off from the podcast. She, she will be back. She's but... uh, she's currently sitting on that same island as Eddie Murphy at the end of Trading Places, with yeah. like a nice jumper and a big cocktail. Yeah, that's what they call it these days. Um, <laughs> but joining us in replacement, a returning guest host, because we liked him so much the first time, it's Callum Cooper. Hey. Oh, I, I can't imagine why, but thank you so much <laughs> for having me back on. I, what, what's, it that, what's it that Randy Quaid says in uh, Independence Day? I'm oh, yeah. back. Hello, boy. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's so it's so good to be back on, guys. I can't wait to talk some more films. Well, to you guys it's good again. to have you. Good to have you very much. So, and I'm very excited to talk through some of these films. Um, I feel like it'll be a major bonding experience. God, I hope so. Oh yeah, oh, one film in particular, I think, <laughs> will be for me and Alex anyway. Uh, so on today's Jumpcast, we've got lots and lots of big um film reviews to get through, including reviews for Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Morbius, The Bad Guys, The Novice, The Bubble, and we'll also have a little quick mini-review from Charlotte, who is away, uh, of uh, True Things. <clears throat> yes, we found a uh, green bottle with a note stuffed in it from Charlotte. From <laughs> Yep. You could, as you open the bottle, you could smell um, I was not going to use that cocktail name. <laughs> oh dear. You can smell a martini. There we go. Um, right. <laughs> very shaken and not stirred. Oh, oh very um, good. Yes, yeah. I'm feeling very shaken after that. Uh, yeah. Well, I knew how it was going to sound if I said a certain cocktail name. So anyway. Yeah. Um, right. But before we get into that, and before we even get into talking about the new trailers and the news of the week, guys... I'll, you know, I'll start off with Callum, because I respect him more than Simon. Um, That's fair. What have you been watching this week that hasn't been the predetermined films and things of the week? Anything nice? Any TV? Any any other films or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I have been. I've mostly been working on my uni assignments, because I've got quite a lot of them this month, but... Uh, I finished my rewatching of Better Call Saul as the new season starts in a couple weeks' time. Very good, very good. Yeah, I know it's it's such a cracking show. I'm ad. Have you guys? I've not. I've seen the first season of Breaking Bad, and that is it. What? Yes. You. Oh, we need to rectify oh, that. Man. That's like finding someone who's like lived on Mars or something. That's yeah. great. You're you're so lucky because you've got like four other series of Breaking Bad and then like five series and counting of Better Call Saul. 
Yeah, and Breaking Bad is excellent as well, but I, I think I might be in a minority who thinks Better Call Saul is better, but, you know, they're both excellent in their own way, but I just... I mean, they're both effectively descent into villainy arcs for the main character, but I think the way it goes about it was so... The slightly more melancholic way it handles it, I just... I don't know, I think it's a lot more rich and interesting, personally. Yeah. Cool. I, also, uh, just for films, that's my TV section, I've seen two other films that I was catching up on films that came out a few weeks ago, but I've only now got round to. Uh, the first of which was Fresh. Fresh. Lovely. Was it yeah, Fresh? Which I... I uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. It was... I mean, I did sadly have the twist spoiled for me via Twitter, but even going in with that knowledge, I thought it, it was executed very well and really enjoyed Twitter it. Twitter hooligans. <laughs> uh, well, I say friends. Twitter hooligans. Finally... The blooming marketing team behind the film are, the, are part of those Twitter hooligans. Yeah, literally the adverts <laughs> for it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I remember Charlotte mentioning it a few episodes ago, talking about the poster and looking at it, knowing what the twist is. It's like, yeah, you did kind of shoot themselves literally, in the foot a bit literally. with that. It could have been those um, are those candy floss grapes that he talks about at the beginning of the film, and that would have been fine. I Absolutely, but so actually, speaking of food, that segues into the other film I saw, which I finally got round to watching oh, Boiling Amazing. Point for the first time. Oh, i still got to watch that. Oh, it's, oh, it's so, so good, man. I mean, it gave me somewhat. It somewhat gave me PTSD for my old days of customer oh, service. Right. But other than that, it was yeah, really good. I, so many bad memories came back and resurfaced <laughs> as I was watching <laughs> oh, that I film. But still, very, very good. I just excellent, and I can see why Stephen Graham was BAFTA nominated. He is just so phenomenal yeah. in that. And Vanette Robinson as well, who was. Nominated oh yeah, she's actually. excellent too. You have no excuse, Simon. It's on Netflix. I know, I know. I'm just a busy man. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> it was it was that easy? <laughs> wow. I've got I to give you a few more often. Give, give, got to give you a few here and there. I'm gonna. Uh, okay, that's fair. Cool. Right. Well, <laughs> Simon, how about on that you? Note. Uh, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, in terms of um, in terms of what I've seen beyond the prescribed list, not a lot really. Again, I've been I've just been so busy. Life has gotten in the way. Um, but I have been carrying on my watching of uh, the Pottery Throwdown. I'm I'm a few more episodes in and just joyous. Uh, I've also that. been watching from the start. Uh, what we do in the shadows, the TV series. Okay. Yeah, like I'd seen the first series before, but I like up to a point, um, and I've just carried it on. And let me tell you, it is really funny. Uh, I am about two episodes into series three now, uh, and apparently there are points where COVID clearly hits the production. It hasn't happened yet, but uh, I'm sure it will show in the wash very soon. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. Good. But yeah, no boiling point. No but boiling again, point. Well, sense. next week you're going to say that you've watched boiling point. There you go. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. Um, as for me, uh, not too much in the way of films. I've been kind of video gaming quite a bit still. Still uh, on the Forbidden West hype. Uh, still playing Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, and of course, 
as of the day of recording. Uh, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga has just come out, which is brilliant so far. Um, but yeah. as for TV watches, um, Peaky Blinders, the final ever episode of Peaky Blinders, quite good. Quite, quite liked it. Um, it felt bittersweet, but I think from a perspective of knowing that there is going to be a film, um, it is a lot more passable um, the, the way it does end. And one final twist in the way of things, which was very, very uh, surprising. It was good. But it all took place in modern day Birmingham. It just looks like that. <laughs> <God's sake>. <laughs> <laughs> Hello to our Midlands listeners. <laughs> They've all my, my best friends originally from Birmingham. I don't know if you appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> That's a shout out to all the, all the Brummies out there. But yeah, no, good. I'm very excited for the film whenever it shall pop up. Yeah. Uh, MasterChef is back. Very hey. excited about MasterChef being what? back. It's brilliant. They seem to have adopted the American style opening now in which uh, Greg and John uh, taste the people's dishes without seeing them cook beforehand. It's like like an audition for the for the aprons, which I think is good. I think is interesting. Kind of do they uh, do they still say do they still shout cooking doesn't get tougher than this? Oh yeah, Greg said okay, that like great. six times already. Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. always, always, always. Um, and then finally, just very quickly, there's a new TV show on BBC called Gordon Ramsay's Future Food Stars. <laughs> I've heard about okay. this. <clears throat> it's essentially like The Apprentice and Dragons Den mixed into one but it's all to do with food so it's like 12 people and they all have their own food or drink businesses and at the end of the process Gordon Ramsay is going to invest 150,000 pounds of his own money um which is you know money that he could have invested in his workers during the pandemic but uh into the into the winner's business essentially um and the first episode was quite something um, there seems to be a lot of drama already, which I love with these types of shows. Um, the drama is always the best bit about them. There was an argument over what type of mushrooms um they should be using, and it got quite heated. Was there mushroom for compromise? So well, they went for the cheaper option, which one of them was <laughs> not very happy about. Um, but yeah, very I'm very intrigued to see where this goes now. Um. And yeah, kind of intrigued as to why it's a thing, considering that, you know, The Apprentice is still on and still a thing. It's like it's trying to get into its grave, a grave of The Apprentice that doesn't even exist, which is very strange. But anyway, I shall not blab on any longer, for you will get bored of me. So we'll move on <laughs> There's to another the... hour of that. There is, there is <laughs> another hour of that. I could just talk about Gordon Ramsay the whole hour. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's time to get into uh, the news segment now. Um, it'll have been about a week and a half by the time this comes out, and depending on whenever you're listening to it, will have been about a week and a half since this announcement now. So you could say that we have our pulse on um, the you know the hand of pop culture. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Wait, 
What? Our... You've got that slightly wrong. Uh, yeah, just... <laughs> Our finger on the pulse of popular culture. <laughs> there we I are. I think I prefer it the other way around. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, so it has been announced that uh, Bruce Willis is going to be retiring from acting. Uh, as he has a medical condition called aphasia, uh, which essentially affects his cognitive abilities. What what do um what did you what do you guys think when you you heard this? I mean, it's it's absolutely crushing. Um, like the guy, it's it's one of those things where hindsight is so clear, especially when looking at the films he was making before deciding to uh to give up on acting mm. um i do think that you know it's so like we have gone through this rigmarole multiple times with people who have ended up being incredibly ill uh with keeping that out of the spotlight um you know people yeah. like chadwick boseman for instance being mm. a prime example um i think it is so it's it's still surprising how easy it is for people to be callous about people with, before even thinking. Um, from from mutual friends and and people and, and peers in you know film and stuff like that, uh, there were rumblings of something not being all well in the house of Willis uh, in terms of his in terms of his fitness and health um, prior to that announcement. Um, uh, it feels like that must have been well known enough for places like the Golden Raspberry Awards or the Razzies, I guess, is a better known, uh, to go and do what they decided to do during the award season and uh, single him out for special, I use that term very lightly, treatment in their most recent award ceremony. Yeah. And how about you, Callum? What were What did you think when you first saw this? Yeah, no, I my heart breaks a little bit for Bruce Willis over this, and I do see what Simon means. Uh, the like the fact that he has been suffering from an illness like this, it's been something of an open secret for a while now. Like even just a few weeks back, you know, I was talking with fellow critics at the Scottish Press Day ceremony, and I can't remember who, but somebody did say, yeah, like there's rumors going about that that he has a notice that's making him, you know, essentially forget his lines sometimes. And that's why he's doing as many films as he is just before he retires. And and I agree with Simon's sentiments completely. You know, it just I mean, I'm I'm sure the Razzies will probably feign ignorance over this, but it does make it it makes their decisions seem especially tasteless with this developing news, definitely. Yeah, no, it is it is utterly heartbreaking and obviously like you were saying as well, Simon, how certain things that were um said and done by by companies by like the Razzies and, and things just see Well and by and by people, by critics as well. well. Yeah. I don't want them to stand behind organizations. Like people yeah. have to own those words. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Of course, yeah. Aye. Um that just obviously in in lieu of, of what has been announced just seem incredibly out of touch and, and horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Moving on. Now I don't know much about this, but Simon, you because you um made me aware of it. So if you would like to, sure. Yeah. 
Um, so uh, it came out, I think today was the, the verdict, but uh, there has been talk in the past, I want to say month, maybe certainly in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so Asghar Fahadi, who uh, is an Iranian uh, film director, he made uh, The Separation about a, ten, about a decade ago, which is a brilliant film, uh, which is a shame uh, in the light of this. Um, so, so for his latest film, A Hero, it came out maybe, yeah, it must have been about a month ago, uh, that he may have potentially plagiarized uh, the idea from uh, one of his film students. Uh, it turns out that uh, he has actually been found guilty of plagiarism now. So uh, he has yet to be sentenced to anything. It could include jail time, uh, is my understanding oh, from sources. Uh, yeah, but it's um, a really shocking development and uh, just a real disappointment given like there was so much potential there. And like he, the stories he was telling, like, a separate, I hadn't seen a hero to my shame. Uh, clearly, now in hindsight, you know, um, it, well, it doesn't seem like you know a, a, a great undertaking on his part, anyway. Uh, but yeah, he was he was one of those people that you looked at and go and went, oh, he's going to be a very interesting figure. Uh, and yeah, this is somewhat tarnished things, uh, to put it lightly. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with those sentiments, Simon. And I, I was a big fan of Asghar Fahadi's. I agree, A Separation is a terrific film. And I saw A Hero about the start of this year, which, again, thought that was a fantastic film. So to hear that he's been found guilty of essentially plagiarizing someone who's trying to break into the same industry as him, it's, I mean, disappointing doesn't even really cut the mustard, does it? It's just, yeah, I mean, nothing surprising anymore. But it's just disappointing. It really is. Disappointed, but not surprised. Yeah. Aye. <clears throat> right. Uh, moving on, we've got some casting news to talk about. Um, Rupert Sanders, uh, the director of such masterpieces as Snow White and the Huntsman. I like that film. And Ghost in the Shell, the <laughs> Scarlett like Johansson <laughs> remake. <laughs> <laughs> and Snow White and the Huntsman, the other one, Winter War. Winter War. Yeah, yeah. The one with Rob. The one with Rob Brydon. Yeah, it, that's right? the one. Yeah, I saw that. I thought it was alright. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, he is going to be uh, helming a reboot of The Crow, which hmm. I'm not going to lie, never seen it. Has anybody it's seen The Crow? The... It's one of those films which is just like, just so bedded in with a certain cult following. Yeah. It'd be like if someone went, oh, I'm remaking uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh. I mean, they did that. <laughs> you know, it's the world that way. <laughs> uh, but yes, anyway, it's seemingly found its crow, this film. Hmm. Um, and the person who's going to be playing the titular character is Bill Skarsgård who you might know from playing uh, Pennywise the Clown in It. In what? It. <laughs> yeah, to be more specific. <laughs> it's, it's, part, it's chapter one and chapter two. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. 
Um, and also, uh, more recently, playing one of the deviants in the Eternals film. Um, what do we think? Do are we excited for a Crow reboot? I mean, it's hard for me to say because I've I've not even seen the original Crow, and all I really know about it is unfortunately the the tragic story that comes with it concerning uh Brandon Lee, but. But honestly, beyond that, I only really know Alex Proyas for, well, Gods of Egypt, and that's not something you want to be known for, quite frankly. <laughs> so, so I don't know, it's a bit of a cop-out answer, but I guess I, I don't really have an opinion on this. I'm just waiting to see how it yeah. turns out. I think the way you've put it, Simon, is that there might be a lot of vocally um, d- distraught people at the, the prospect of a remake. It'll just be the same tiresome voices saying that they're teenage hood adolescence has been ruined because someone's made a film. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. No! No no new things! No new Made things. Change is bad. Change is inherently then, bad. But then, but then you say, okay, we're gonna give you the same thing. No, not like that. <laughs> I, I don't know the news. I feel like we may have spoken about this before, at least a little bit, but um... Apple TV Plus, which is just off the back of a Best Picture win, the first streaming service ever to do so, um, has sweeped in on a $100 million deal to make a new film called Project Artemis, which will star MCU co-stars Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans in the main roles. And... Um, the film will be directed by um Jason Bateman. Well, all right. We literally don't know anything about this, but apparently it has something to do with the space race. So, the oh, Artemis project. I'm looking it up on and Wikipedia. This is Wikipedia. this is really great. Um, so Wikipedia suggests that there is a real thing called the Artemis project. Um, which is a private spaceflight venture to uh, make a moon base at the turn of the millennium. Ah. So maybe it's about that, possibly? Well, I think it probably could be. There's also an Artemis program that apparently wants to return humans to the moon by 2025. It's all about the moon these days. It's all about the moon, baby! Everyone's hat for the moon! (laughs) I mean, it's the only place that's going to be habitable the way the world's going Well, we know from Moonfall that there are uh, vegetables and um, super cool mega aliens that might actually be us from a billion years ago on the moon. On the moon. No, not on the moon, Simon. In the moon. We're in the moon, Brian. (laughs) It's basically mission to Mars, the moon. (laughs) Um, But uh, could this potentially be them vying for another best picture nod? Why not? Go for it. Why not? Double, double. I mean, they've they've done it once so far, so why not? (laughs) 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 Uh, Right. So, before we move on to trailer talk, um, I mentioned this to Simon before we started. I wondered whether we'd talk about it, and I thought that it's only right that we do. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be at the fact that there's, I might get a bit angry. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, no, no. We'll have, yeah. a, we'll have a general discussion about it. Uh, so, 
uh, this week, news was broken that uh, the government of the United Kingdom intend to sell Channel 4 um, to private bidders in whatever sense. Um, so, my the reason I bring this up is because I wondered if we could talk about potentially how this might affect Film 4. So that's a really good question, I think. Um, in fact, I was thinking about it, and now in hindsight, it's like, oh, maybe this should have been the feature that we normally cap things off with. Um, you know what? We probably should have done that. Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, We're well. Here now. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so for people who aren't familiar, um, you know, on the off chance that someone outside of the UK listens to this, yeah. it's unlikely, we know. Um so yeah, the so the context is that uh, Channel Four is yeah the state-run TV network. Uh, it's specifically well, we didn't say specifically. It specialises in very kind of independent and diverse creative projects, uh, both in TV and in film, uh, and in current affairs uh, and things like that. So uh, it's very kind of independent focused. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so Film Four has been at the forefront. <laughs> the forefront uh of a lot of just not only very kind of interesting independent films generally with like taking chances on new filmmakers but they have been behind the funding of some quite successful films as well like yeah i mean just in the last year you've had things like last night in soho um i did have a list oh yeah well exactly that yeah no film for no edgar wright really well exactly yeah i mean They've funded his films literally since Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, and like because of that, you get no subsequent filmmakers coming out. Like, well, people have inspired inspired by his films. Um, you've had, well, everybody's talking about Jamie, The Electrical Life yep. of Louis Wayne, Yep, uh, Saint Maud, and that's literally yep. just in the past like year or so. Um, they they have produced, funded, um, whatever, uh, hundreds literally hundreds of films um oh yeah and am i right in saying that even like scorsese has gotten in on this most in... probably i mean there's, there's a list of all of has. them and the, i was looking at the wikipedia page funnily enough before um mm. and because there are so many on the article for film for productions there is a subheading which is a list of the most notable productions which is about 60 or 70 films long. <laughs> <laughs> um so if that like is just a, even a little bit of a of a kind of illustration of how big and how influential and how important film 4 is to the British film industry. Yeah. Uh yeah. Um, Callum, you're going to say something, I I think. Um I mean, yeah, I just I'm curious to see how this affects film film four too, but I'm I don't know. It's hard not to be a little angry over the decision to prioritize Channel Four. You know, a a publicly funded channel that makes its money mostly through advertising and public yep. funds, and then to, and then to basically give it off to someone who's just going to line their own pockets at the expense of other people. It's like. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised. I shouldn't be surprised that I'm not because it's this government we're talking about. Yeah. I'm just, 
it just and it's such a nonsensical choice too. Like I don't know if you saw the Dean Dawes trying to explain it on Twitter, proving once again she knows absolutely nothing about anything. Absolutely. So yeah, the the oh god. Yeah, the context is there for people. I think who want to who want to find it. Yeah, but, um, completely. Uh, but yeah, basically, it does it does give me a bit of worry. I will be honest. Definitely because, worried. Yeah. Yeah, like not only because of like the the great stuff they're bringing out in terms of documentaries, um, both in feature and in television, uh, but when it comes to film four specifically, like it does make me wonder what would happen to the British film industry if you get rid of them. I, I doubt that would happen. Like they'd probably end up getting sold to somebody who want to use their resources right. to make something or other. Um, yeah, but it does... Can only... Sorry, go on. It remains to be seen whether... Because I think one of the things that uh, that she who must not be named um, <laughs> said is that the reason they want to sell it off is so that it can somehow uh, go up against giants like Netflix and, um, and Amazon Prime and what have you, Disney Plus. Um, that's, that's not what, what that's there for. Well, yes, yeah. no, but this is the thing, isn't it? That like, if one. it's if it's sold to the wrong people, then surely what might happen is that they'll just decide not to make these like independent films anymore because they want to make way for films like you, you know it, what Netflix is right now and has been for a while is quantity over quality. Yeah. And uh, last thing I'll say on the matter, but like, is it just me or does, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, but is it just me or does Dandine Dores remind you of like the evil stepmother of Cinderella or something? Yeah, and like very specifically the one from the Amazon Prime um, adaptation. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think I, I think I'd rather watch the Amazon Cinderella again. Quite oh, frankly, well, it's also <laughs> not lost on me. Let's get. Left. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's also not lost on me that literally a week ago they were saying them that they did the whole. Well, we're not going to ban conversion therapy anymore because we need to put our priorities in check for what we what what we really need to focus on. And then this week they're like, Ah, More yes, one of our priorities too. is. Selling Channel Four because that definitely is a priority in the current um, state of things. It's just, yeah. I mean, there is a clear ideological reason for why this is happening. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah, I, which, uh, well, people have been very quick to point out, kind of is contradictory to a lot of uh, the Conservative Party's ideals, especially since it was the Thatcherite government that started up Channel Four. Um, mm. But, uh, yeah. uh, so this is the thing. I, I, as far as I'm aware, in terms of where the process is, I think this still has to go through Parliament. And clearly, there is an overwhelming Conservative majority in the UK, uh, in in Westminster. Um, and so whether this carries on and whether this makes it all the way through to where it needs to go to happen remains to be seen. Um, mm -hmm. we don't know who would be an interested party in buying it if it does get there. Like this is still oh, like yeah. the announcement is the start of it. It's this is gonna be a long yeah. very early days. It's gonna be a long, miserable process as we watch um a, yeah. a, a an an institution that has been with us 
for certainly as long as we've been alive and longer, just get completely taken apart for spite, essentially. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, but on happy news, I've literally this doesn't usually happen, but there's been some breaking news that I wanted to mention Ooh. just because I think it's quite nice. Um, so fresh off the what could be considered brilliant success of their feature film, uh, Turning Red, uh, both producer Lindsay Collins and uh, director Domi Shi have been promoted inside of Pixar. So D- Domi Shi is now. Um, now has the title of vice president of creative along with um andrew stanton peter sonen and dan scanlon um so she will be responsible for helping other filmmakers who were you know will probably be in the position she was in um in developing their films that will potentially be future pixar releases which i just think is that is absolutely the right move from pixar kudos to them for making it that's a that's amazing news. I'm so yeah, happy. Brilliant. It's nice to end the news sometimes on good stuff. Yeah. Well, I thought, considering that we just <laughs> talked about that, and it was a bit sad that we could end with a something that is a bit happier. Yeah. Aye. Right. It is now time for. Oh my god, we're half or, half an hour in already. Let's hurry this up. <laughs> um. Okay. <laughs> it's time for trailer talk. Okay, so not too many trailers to talk about, and there's a bit of a bit of a theme actually through the majority <laughs> of these. Uh, but first of all, we're going to be talking about something that is going to be utterly adorable, will ruin our lives most probably, um, and that is Marcel de Shell with shoes on. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I've only had Marcel to use that quote. I've only had Marcel for a day and a half. <laughs> if anything happened to her, I would kill, I'd her. kill everyone in this room. That movie just—it looks so cute and so charming, doesn't it? It looks absolutely adorable. I cannot wait to see this film. This film actually premiered at South by Southwest, I believe. Okay, yeah. Uh, so there's already some reactions from it, but uh, yeah, the reactions you would expect, along with people saying that it is absolutely brilliant. Which I so I I took the liberty of spending uh, my lunch break at work today watching the shorts, uh, uh, the original yes. short films, and yes. oh my gosh, yeah, it's <laughs> just it, so lovely. If it's anything like that. The, the short films, then it will just be absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I, oh, my heart. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> yep. Okie dokie. Well, moving on. We've already talked about this a little bit, but we've had like a, I suppose, what could be considered like an official, maybe final trailer for the Bob's Burgers movie. That's right. The TV show, the hit. 20th Century Studios TV show is finally getting the big screen treatment as it should. Um, and it looks brilliant. I'm a massive fan of the show. So um, this is essentially perfect for me. In See, it's so sense. interesting that you said it's so interesting that you said that, Alex, because I was just about to say, I I know so many people that enjoy Bob's Burgers, but wouldn't say they love it. 
okay, interesting. Just like, because it just feels like, like maybe this is just me. Maybe I'm so disconnected from the rest of the world. I mean, yeah, the more I said that, the, the more I get into that sentence, the more true it is. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, genuinely, I feel like Bob's Burgers has always been there but never made such a dent that I thought, you know what this needs? This needs a movie. But no, it's here. Like, the trailer looks really good. I laughed out loud a few times. I think it looks fun. Yeah, completely agree. Well, not that people don't love it. I feel like it has such a dedicated fan base um, of people. I did appreciate the... um, I know that every episode they have, like, a different special for the yes, burger. Yes. Um, and the one that I saw in the trailer was between a Brock and a Chard place. Uh, ab- <laughs> that's great. They've done, a, they've done a few Chard related ones over the years. I think that's great. Um, <laughs> it's just really funny. That, that's that's Wallace and Gromit level <laughs> yeah. human that is. That's, that's the level I can get on it with. I think that's, yeah, um, that kind of silly visual comedy. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. It's going to be, I think it's going to be wonderful anyway. Um, and honestly, very glad we're getting this over like a Rick and Morty movie or something. Because oh, that'd be God. insufferable. Yeah. Just imagine Family Guy the movie. <laughs> Family Guy the movie. Oh, oh God. Let, let's let, let's not speak it into existence. Well, to be fair, guys. like it's coming back. Like the 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 memes have finally caught up with Family Guy as as the thing that can now be memed to death. So it might happen. Well. Let's hope not. not. (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens when you get older. All the things that you knew was rubbish when you were a teenager now becomes hilarious and ironic to the other teenagers that come along. (laughs) (laughs) We're just disgruntled in the corner waiting for them to grow up to the the age where they feel exactly the same way. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we thought that 15 years ago. Thank you very much. (laughs) Well, don't go that far because I was only 10. um... Wow, okay. Sorry, just, just wanted <laughs> to make you feel darkness, <laughs> <laughs> um, Right, moving on. This is Jewel, which uh, had its premiere at the Sundance Film Festival. I would know because I've seen it. Um, Ooh, lucky <laughs> uh, It's a film starring Karen Gillan and um, Aaron Paul. Why did it take so long for me to remember his name? We were literally just talking about Breaking Bad. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, and essentially, um, this is set in a world where people uh, can choose to make clones of themselves if they're going to die at kind of like a young age. Um, so that when they are gone, the effect it would have on family members, friends, and things like that, lo- lovers would obviously be non-existent because you would still exist just in a clone version of yourself. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the premise of it. What What did you guys think of the trailer? I quite liked it. You know, I feel like this idea, like all variations on this idea have been fairly prevalent in the last few years. Did you guys have watched that Living With Yourself series? I watched like the first oh, couple no, of episodes. Okay. Yeah, like that. Well, as soon as the thing started, before it ended up going in the direction it did in terms of the trailer's narrative, I thought, "Oh, okay, that's living with yourself, right?" <laughs> and then it, it ended up not being living with yourself. Um, 
but like even like Black Mirror's gotten in on the joke of this in the last ten years. Like, be right back. Yeah. The whole thing is what happens after you've gone and you've got loved ones who are going to miss you, kind of thing. Um, and yeah, this looks quite fun. I think Karen Gillan's always a great bet, and uh, Aaron Paul is doing some really exciting, interesting things. Whether it's BoJack Horseman or Westworld or this, but yeah. And yeah, I'm inclined to agree, Simon. I really like the look of this trailer. And I, I notice it's written and directed by Riley Stearns. I don't know if either of you saw his film The Art of Self-Defense. I didn't. It's my shame. No. I know, because that, uh, that played at Edinburgh 2019, I want to say. And that was one I really enjoyed. It's, a, it's quite off-kilter. It's quite strange. But it has a really good sense of humor and a surprisingly good art to it. So... I think if this is, and based on the trailer, the way, the vibes I seem to be getting off of it, it feels quite similar. So I'm, yeah, add on an inventive premise, and yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see this. Yeah, and I'm very interested in, for a wider audience to see this, to see how it is uh, received for sure. Um, be, be interested to see how people think of it, and I'm sure we'll cover it on this here podcast when it releases, wherever it releases. Moving on to what could possibly be the uh, winner of Best Picture at the 2023 Oscars, Minions, The Rise of Guru. I mean, (laughs) that probably says it it all, to be honest. I, I, I don't hate the Minions. I think the Minions are fine, but it's... I feel the same way about this film that I did when Angry Birds came out in like 2016, 2017 or something. I'm like, you know, oh, isn't that movie like five years too late? (laughs) Well, this movie did get delayed by a couple of years because of the pandemic. Exactly. Exactly. So not only has the ship sailed, the ship has sailed, become a COVID hotbed. Come back after being in isolation, <laughs> and everyone just moved on with their lives. Um, yeah, very oh, true. I, and you really yeah. don't see as many Facebook minion memes as you used to, which is the real tragedy and loss here. Let's be honest. Yeah, completely. Oh yeah. No, yeah, it just looks your yeah, generic run of the mill illumination film. Um, mm. uh, which is why I'm so scared for Mario. Um, <laughs> you know what Mario needs? It needs minions. Maybe oh. this is the. Uh... Oh, oh damn! <laughs> Wait, maybe the minions. Mario, there we go. The villain that the minions want to be part of is Bowser. <laughs> oh God, we're gonna speak this into it. Oh no, that's gonna be the trailer, isn't it? Hey, here it is. You know. Oh, why? Why? If, if that actually. If that actually happens, Simon, I'm holding you personally. Why are we still here just to suffer? But maybe Chris, maybe the Mario movie isn't about Chris Pratt, but the homophobia we made along the way. <laughs> um, there it is. Okay. Yeah, no. I think when Despicable Me became less about Gru and the children and more about the minions, the less interested I got, essentially. Because I... I will go out on record and say that I really like the first Despicable Me film. I think it's really good. But no, right. I agree. I like this. I like the second one a yeah, lot too. The second one has its merit. I think you're right. 
And like the minions were fine in those films, but I think it's because they work in small bursts as kind of funny wee side characters. When you make them, when you make them the center of the film, it just become it becomes annoying. Yeah, very it's like quickly. if um, Mr. Poppy in Nativity was the main character. Do you know? If they made a ah, Mr. Poppy, Mr. Poppy prequel film, yeah, give it I time. Want that. I, I don't know why, but I want that. I want it to. Anyway, from a vacuous uh, animation project to something that seems a little more full-fledged and uh, meaty. Mm, mm, mm. And this is from oh. Netflix. How nourishing. How n- mm, mm, mm. Uh, this is from Netflix. It's called <laughs> The Sea Beast. Uh, not really too much is given away in the trailer, but it does look beautiful. The animation looks incredible. On it, it looks gorgeous absolutely gorgeous uh, it's, I, I know nothing about this but just based on the trailer I'm, I'm already sold this looks this looks fantastic I can't man. remember the last just like Netflix animated movie or if they've even done one before Klaus oh yeah yeah okay yeah that's might probably... have been it but because yeah this I know is, a lot this of them is, are like yeah. um Sony, isn't it normally? Yeah, it's Sony or you know joint ventures, but yeah, yeah, they've not done many of their own. Oh, Over the Moon, I think was was one. Okay, which was also pretty decent. Oh yeah, that's uh, fine. but yeah, no, look by the looks of things, very excited. And if it is anywhere near the quality of of Klaus, then it's going to be very very good. Let's say yeah, I. The only thing I will add to this is that Chris Williams, who also made uh, Big Hero Six and was involved in Moana, I think. A co-director uh is making this ah, and well there you are then yeah so yeah if, if if those two are anything to go by yeah i think he's onto a hat trick basically yep yep very much so we're very excited for that then very very excited indeed yeah it's going to be good right that is trailer talk over and done with done and dusted but before we move to the reviews the reason you're here you sickos. <laughs> um, Simon. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay. Simon, so. Yeah. Down to you. Down. It's all down. It's all down to me. No pressure. No pressure, brain. You want hill in brackets after down. Oh god. <laughs> uh well. In in the immortal words of Sonic the Hedgehog, the famous blue blur, I'm sure we'll be getting into depth with him later, gotta go fast. And so I will do with this list of our patrons. Uh, the patrons who are at the toppermost of our list, who we love, because they give £8 a month to our Patreon. That's uh, found at www.patreon.com forward slash jump cut underscore online. Uh, there are different tiers. So you've got one pound a month all the way up to eight pound a month. And these guys are the ones who give to that level. And they are Chris Wilson, Enon Films, Robert Denny, Daryl Griffiths, Sam Luck, Orla Smith, Peter Hodgkins, Andy Meekin, Fabiana Rosas, Hamish Calvert, Manuel Bento, and Joe Craig. Each of your monthly subscriptions helps new writers get into the fray with paid commissions and it is so wonderful to do so please keep doing that and 
if you're interested, definitely give it a go. Like we said, you can give as little as a pound a month if you fancy, but if you want your name read, you've got to really, really give the, you got to commit, you got to give. So please do. And thank you again. Thank you. Right. It is time to move on to the film reviews. And we've got quite a few to get through today, but Charlotte, who is absent from today, um, has seen a new release called True Things. And Simon, I believe you have some of her thoughts. I do, yeah. So I think we should preface this with, because it's a, it's a brief missive, uh, because, again, Charlotte is very busy on her private island. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, just to give you an idea of what this is all about. Uh, so you've got Kate, who is played by Ruth Wilson, uh, who is a benefit claims worker, and she's seduced by a rogue played by Tom Burke. Uh, he plays someone called Blonde, and you can have three guesses on the main characteristic of his person. Um, and he is, and she is totally overwhelmed by him. And despite the interventions or planned interventions from her peers and friends and family, she goes for the whirlwind romance, love and lust and everything else. So Charlotte says that she loved it. It felt like a therapy session reflecting on how so often we fall in love with the idea of people rather than the truth in front of us. Ruth Wilson is beautiful. Tom Burke is in full roguish scoundrel mode. And she ends with saying, more stories set in coastal towns like Ramsgate, please. To which I wholeheartedly agree. And on that note, I recommend The Fight, which was uh, Jessica Hines' directorial feature and is filmed entirely in and around Folkestone. And it's very good. Very nice. But there you go. That's true that things. Sounds, that, sounds, that sounds great. And I'm, I'm just looking it up now. And apparently it's directed by uh, Javi Woodworth, yes. who did that am amazing film Only you. you a few years back. So I'm... Um, I'm definitely going to seek that out There you now. go. Yep. So it's got not only, uh, yeah, Harry Whitliffe as a great director, but you've also got two fantastic leads there. And you've got Charlotte's Word, which is always, well, about as uh, well, much more valuable than mine and Alex's combined most weeks. Well, all weeks, really, let's be honest. thousand percent every, all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So let's get into the meat of it. Um, and do you know what I'm really sad about just before we start? Go on. Is that, you know, when the trailer for Better Nate or ne Better Nate Than Never came out and I was like, I'm excited. This is my Joker. It came out <laughs> on Friday and yeah. I haven't even watched it. No. <laughs> I know. Oh, no. I know. I'm so sad, but I will. I will watch it for next week and you will hear my five star review. <laughs> you too can make it to the Lilo and Stitch musical. Yeah, exa exactly. <laughs> right. But anyway, let's get on with it. Starting off with Sonic the Hedgehog 2. That's right. There's a second one after the last film that everyone remembers watching before lockdown, Sonic the Hedgehog 1. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this is a sequel to what it turned out to actually be a very successful video game adaptation based on the very famous, very iconic 
Sega game franchise, Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, and I believe that the the closing of the first film set up uh, for lots of different things um, that may or may not come to fruition in this Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Um, so yeah, so Sonic the Hedgehog 2, it's kind of uh, set after the events of the first one. Uh, Dr. Robotnik, or Eggman, is on the Mushroom World. He's uh, trapped and is trying to find a way off because he wants to get revenge on the on Sonic, the blue, the darned blue hedgehog. <clears throat> um, and Sonic is living his best life in Green Hills, trying to be a kind of vigilante. <clears throat> um, and, uh, well, lots of events collapse into one, and Sonic is thrusted into an adventure with his new friend Tails um, to find the Master Emerald. Dun, dun, dun! And to get to it before the evil Dr. Robotnik gets to it. So, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, guys, where do we stand? I'll let Callum go first. Callum. Okay, um, so... I should preface this by saying that I don't have a lot of history with Sonic the game. Like, I, I know of it, and I played it maybe on and off again when I was around a friend's house, but I, if you're ask, if you're wanting to know about, like, lore or characters or story or anything, I know absolutely nothing about the Sonic films. And the first one, I actually thought was better than it had any right to be. Like, I didn't think there was too much to it, but for what it was, it was quite fun and agreeable, and to be honest, you know, this one is kind of more the same in my mind. I don't I don't think it's anything special. I don't think it's particularly great, but I think but I think there's plenty of good humor and decent effects and a lot of uh, scene chewing on Jim Carrey's parts that I think and I think there's plenty to find yourself watching it to see yourself watching it and saying to yourself, you know, hey, this is this is absolutely fine, you know. Yep, completely. Simon? Okay, so um, I do have a fair bit of previous with Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, I say that like Sonic like, got a lot of history with it. Uh, no, I, so growing up, I played Sonic 2, especially to death. Uh, and when the Dreamcast came out, uh, I played Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 so much that I can still hear the Pumpkin Hills theme and, in fact, play it at my funeral. I don't care um, because it absolutely slaps, as the kids say. Um, with so with the first one, yeah, it was for me also the last film I saw before lockdown. Uh, like so many, so it's weird that with the last real official restrictions lifting in England, um, that Sonic Two comes out. Yeah, uh, and I saw this in an absolutely packed cinema with a whole bunch of the target audience around me. Um, that was because I went on a Saturday, not because of anything untoward. Uh, I just want to say for the record. <laughs> Um, because I've realised as soon as I said that how that sounded, so I thought, mm. oh, yeah, okay. Um, and yeah, so my feelings on Sonic the Hedgehog two. I mean, for starters, it's too long. It is oh, way I, too. I long. can definitely agree on that. Yeah, <clears throat> like we say on this podcast so many times, give me a tight ninety, like, at most. And I feel like so this one is what two hours. Just shy, just shy of, of that, just think, yeah. shy of two hours, and that's including a post-credit sequence. And you know, okay, if you are going to watch this, 
yeah, there is a post credit scene. Definitely so watch the post credits scene. Yes. Um, a post credit scene which got some people who I was walking past very excited where they were going, oh my god, I can't wait for number three. And from that tone of voice, you can guess, again, they were in the target audience. Um, mm. So I went into this and there are lots of little touches that I appreciated. I liked that they had um, Colleen O'Shaughnessy who has voice tales uh, very recently up to not sure how long um, in other media, which is great. Um, loads of little touches like the ca- the coffee shop's called The Mean Bean, which is, yep, that's a little nod. Um, they go all in on Knuckles, which is great. Uh, Idris Elba actually is very good in this, I thought. he does His, mm. his voice acting is taken a notch up since doing Shere Khan and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, big fan of that. Um, I So the length aside, it is the most Jim Carrey performance that Jim Carrey has done <laughs> in 20 years, I want to say. Like, there was this whole point where he was basically going, I don't want to do that anymore. Like, that Ace Ventura, the mask, Ace mm. Ventura 2 style thing. The cable guy, I think, was like the nadir of it for some people. Uh, for others, like, the peak of comedy. Um, and, yeah, so he's going back into it. And now he's saying that he might end up retiring um, off the back of Sonic 2. And it's like, if you do, fair enough. Um but yeah, if you find his brand of physical comedy and gurning all over the place irksome, you will be the most irked coming <laughs> out of this. Um, and I will say, my highlight of the whole film, aside from all the Sonic stuff and Tails and Knuckles and Master Emeralds and Chaos Emeralds and what have you, and Eggman and Eggmen and whatever, is the weird interlude where it just becomes James Marsden becomes awkward at a wedding. (laughs) That is genuinely, I was watching that like, I could watch this for an hour and a half. Just give me this. Like, James Marsden doesn't know what to do at a wedding. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh. Yeah, It was strange, actually, like, how good James Marsden actually was in this. Like, even the chemistry between him and Sonic, I really enjoyed. There's a really good dynamic between the pair of them and that. Yeah. Yeah, I really thought they nailed that. Like, in the first one, that was, you know, fairly boilerplate stuff. But in this one, I felt like they just hit something really special. It's de- Yeah, one 100%. I think, well, first of all, I, what I wanted to say was that it's not often that we would sit down and talk about um, a video game movie, let alone a sequel to a video game movie. Yeah. Um, Just Aye. because of, you know, how... The t- terrible quality most of them <laughs> obviously sonic and i will be the first to admit that i wasn't that hot on the first sonic movie when i first watched it um but over time i've become a, i'd become a little more agreeable to it um and kind of was uh you know enjoyed it more than i i did when i originally watched it at least um and i'm happy to report that i really really did enjoy uh sonic 2 i thought it built upon everything that the the first one did and i feel like cuz sonic the head the first sonic at least felt like a very safe bet to more you know general audiences in who might not necessarily be fans of the video game and kids who might not necessarily know who sonic is um and they did a good job with doing that because the story was fairly generic and quite world based as opposed to 
it being embedded in Sonic lore, which Sonic 2 very much is. And I feel like that side of things was, was brilliant. Um, and yeah, it's very funny, very sweet. I think Ben Schwartz has just feels really comfortable in the role now. Um, absolutely brilliant choice, I think, for, for Sonic. As you were saying, uh, Simon, about Tails and Colleen, and I think that she is case in point that video game voiceover artists deserve to be part of these big blockbuster remakes and and reboots and just yeah. you know films that are based on yeah. on these video games they really do uh <coughs> mario um <laughs> that's twice now <laughs> yeah no I, I can't help myself um, i'm joking yeah I, I appreciate it but yeah, no, no uh, really great. Um, I also felt incredibly emotionally manipulated towards the end, just because I, I nearly like teared up. Uh, because actually, at the end of the day, beyond all the action, all the funny, all the, um, all the antics, there is like something to be said about the emotional heart of this movie, and about, <laughs> about this blue hedgehog finding his place in the world, and not only that, but finding his true family and um the, it's got a bit from diesel for god's sakes the, but the <laughs> but the the scene at the end on the the baseball uh, field really yeah. like hit me and obviously like that's a, a beat from the first film which kind of covers back and it just kind of feels really satisfying and I look. I really love that scene at the end. Um, and then yeah, the post credits. It's interesting as well. Um, so it really casts a shadow over the whole thing, doesn't it? Yeah, really does. Yeah, completely. <laughs> um, and then of course we've obviously. I mean, everyone was wondering like, oh, why? Why are they making a Knuckles TV show out of everything? But obviously, Idris Elba has proved exactly why they're doing that. Um, I think that could be really fun. Yeah, I think that could yeah, be... genuinely believe it. It could be brilliant. Yeah. Like, Idris Elba was one of my favourite things about this film. Like He was clearly having such, such a, a blast time, with the yeah. role. So yeah, so I think, although it was a bit overlong, a bit over stuff, and some of the just human scenes felt a bit kind of crammed in to pad the runtime out, um, I did really enjoy it. Um, and I think that my final point is that in uh, an industry now where Lots and lots of different studios are trying to push these interconnected universes with lots of films, lots of shows, lots of everything. I feel like this one is probably the one I'm most excited to keep up with. Yeah, I get where you're coming from, actually. It's like, I don't think, I still feel it's way too long and I just can't yeah. get on with the Jim Carrey thing. But there is enough there where I will watch the third one. Like regardless, mainly because I dare say we'll still be doing this. But... <laughs> well, exactly. No, knock on wood and all that. I, I, Didn't it? I know. I, I'm very much in Simon's camp with this film. I still, I thought it was, I still thought it was like decent and good. Like it'd be a three or a five yeah. for me personally. But, but I do like its more self-contained nature compared to insist your know, other films which would insist on crossing over of like 12 different franchises <laughs> at this point oh I, interesting you should say that Callum, like what, the film that we'll be moving on to very shortly <laughs> um, oh yeah but it's uh but yeah no i for what 
kind of like the first one again. It was better than it had any right to be, and yeah, it was perfectly fine, yeah. I thought. Cool. Well, um, I mean, and the thing is as well, it's like the Easter holidays now, so it's literally the perfect film to go and watch. Oh, yeah. With the family. Um, right. Uh, so talking about films that are too long, specifically an hour and 46 minutes too long, <laughs> um, we have uh, the latest addition to the, uh, as I'd like, <laughs> I think that this has dub been dubbed on Twitter, but I first saw it from uh, Charlie McGiven on Twitter. The It's been dumped as, dumped, dubbed as the spunk. Well, it should have been dumped. Um, the, the, what, sorry? The spunk. I think it's the Sony picture, the Sony, me. the Sony something universe, uh, monster thing. Ew. Something to do with the fact that Venom and all of this stuff is made in the same universe. Anyway, that that isn't mm-hmm. the MCU. It's Sony's dark universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <don't. laughs> Jekyll and Hyde. Far play by. I mean, we've officially Pro. got one more film than the dark universe has. <laughs> oh no, two more films. Sorry, because. They never got past. I say we've got one Venom one and two, and now this. Yeah, yeah. Proving once and for all that if you haven't got Brendan Fraser in a mummy movie, then what right, exactly? Right. Well, this is Morbius, um, the latest edition, like I said, um, to this this universe that Sony are trying to build up. Uh, the he who must not be named plays the titular character Michael Morbius, who is a doctor and scientist who has got a lifelong. Um, blood disease and he is attempting to cure himself he's dedicated his life to finding a cure for this because he has this very emotional bond with um, matt smith which i too wish i had a very emotional bond with matt smith not this specific matt smith but um anyway yeah so and yeah he finds a cure but lo and behold oh no there's something wrong with it. Yeah, that's right. The cure has cured him, but now he's a vampire. And no, <gasps> not the kind that sparkles. Oh, unfortunately. It's a shame. But the kind that wants to drink blood. <laughs> the kind that looks like he'd fit well in a 2004 new metal band. <laughs> <laughs> The new member of Slipknot, everybody. Genuinely, like <laughs> the the makeup in this is so late. Oh my oh, yeah. god! Well, anyway, we'll get okay. to it. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so, um, Callum, we'll come to you first. Morbius, where do we land? <sighs> this movie was absolute blank. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> right. It was. It's. It really wasn't very good, and it's. Okay. You know, I'll be positive about it first. You know, I think Matt Smith is having a ball with this role. He's chewing every bit of scenery he can. And I do appreciate that between this, uh, Last Night in Soho, and even Terminator Genesis to an extent, like, we're appreciating how good Matt Smith can be as, like, in a villainous role. I think he's really good at that sort of stuff. But, no, this movie, like, you know, when people say they're getting fed up of like superhero sh- uh, superhero entertainment and that, this must be the kind of thing that comes to mind. It's just, for a movie about vampires, it's shockingly toothless. It's ungodly badly edited to the point where like, 
I, I I almost never think about this stuff, but it's like to the point where you're you're questioning the consistency of what's on screen. Like there's this one moment where you know he, I think his assistant, I think Martina, I want to say, she gives uh, this mouse an injection, which I think is meant to be like a formula for the initial cure or an experiment yeah. or something, and the mouse seems to die. So they go off to do this other thing, and then she looks up from this, from like the hospital room, and sees that the mouse is alive again. But the way it's framed and shot, it's like they've gone into a completely different room. And then, I don't know, it's, it's like it's like she's looking up and she's looking through like two different walls or something. To <laughs> she's see like looking across like, the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, funny, but it's like what you know who, what what were you getting at? And then even beyond that, it's so ugly looking to look at it's so murky it's so bleak and you know he who should not be named you know use using his usual abhorrent method acting it's it's not surprising in the slightest and even though even though this certainly isn't his worst performance there's certainly no suicide squad joker there's just it's just nothing to this character nothing to this story and you know, honestly, if it'd been about Matt Smith like, more than you know, he should not be named, I'd probably be a lot more interested in it. I just, I did not care for this at all. Yeah, I think, yeah, I I kind of agree with your sentiment on the fact that it would have been really interesting to see Matt Smith take on the role, but also like I um, he just deserves so much better. He really does, doesn't he? <laughs> but yeah, no, completely agree. Uh, absolute horseshit. Uh, completely terrible, completely void of any kind of unique storytelling, uh, good storytelling, actually, for that matter. Um, it's shot terribly, like it's t- way too dark all of the time. Um, the CGI is absolutely shockingly bad, like just utterly utterly terrible like and really really bad to the point where it's really all you can focus on it's like you're waiting for the next time where their their face is going to change a little bit and you're like how how bad is that going to look yeah and it's one of those things where like i mean i know this probably sounds a bit counterproductive because all films follow this but it's it feels like one of those stories where there doesn't seem to be a point or a purpose to it things just happen and then it stops well yeah and i think that's very much reliant on the fact that it's clear that sony doesn't care about good storytelling they just care about building up this connected universe of villains that will then go on to you know be an aforementioned group of villains Yeah, just it. It wasn't for me. That's all I have to say yeah, on it. Yeah. Simon, how about you? Okay, so I was surprised no one to say that I'm completely in agreement with you guys. <laughs> um, I do want to say though, I think it's interesting because Daniel Espinosa, who is the director of this um thing, um, he has turned in some decent films in the past. Like we had Life, the Ryan Reynolds, Jake Gyllenhaal film. Okay. Um, which. Oh, was yeah. really good. A very simple concept done very well. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Film uh, for it's... film, Matt. What, the what? It's a film for film, Matt. So it is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. It's really good. Um, to the point where people actually, funnily enough, did think that it was going to be a Venom film. Like, the a lot of the yeah. pre 
release hype thought, oh, is this going to be a... Like, no, it's its own thing, man. Um, so yeah, he made that. He made Safe House, the Denzel Washington, Ryan Reynolds film, which was, again, fine. So there is a level of hesitation I have that makes me think, is this the film that he turned into Sony? And have they just gone at it with all sorts of... Chop, chop, chop. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Because when you look at it, like, and Callum put it best, the editing is all over the place. It is a choppy mess. Mm. And I think mess is the best word for it. I think you have a, you have a central actor and character which is entirely devoid of charm and charisma and, well, character, really. Um, you've got Matt Smith, who seems to be in a different film entirely. Yeah. Uh, you have Jared Harris, who's great. Who's really great. He is. A, he's great. As he he's is great. in everything. He's great. He's completely wasted. He's completely wasted. And um, I, I want to look up her name. Give me two seconds. I'm gonna look this up because Adria Arjona. There we go. So she is again. Uh, name escapes me. Marilyn? No. It's like Martina. Martina. Yeah, we'll go with that. Martine. Martine. Uh, and she is really good. Again, completely wasted. An entirely thankless role. And it's just like, there are so many bits in there which are like, oh, you know what? That They, they were good. Oh, oh, okay, we have to stick around with Jared Leto now again for another half hour. Mm. Like, oh, Matt Smith's doing a fun dance while being a vampire. Oh, oh wait. No. And to be honest, okay, I was thinking about spoilers with regards to Morbius, but seeing as pre-release they were talking spoilers, <laughs> I think it's fair oh, game. Yeah. I don't think it matters, yeah. So by the point when Michael Keaton okay. turns up and goes, hi, I'm from the MCU, but not really because that's not how this works. And also, do you want to kill Spider-Man? I know you've never met him and you have no beef, but do you want to kill him? You don't even know who Spider-Man is. For all we know, Spider-Man doesn't even exist in this universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that made no sense whatsoever, didn't it? Absolutely just... not one modicum of sense. And we, you know, we were talking about this on uh, a, a call the other day. I think Callum, weren't we? How you were saying that Aye. there was like a post. The there was two post credit scenes, and the first post credit scene was like a a pre credit scene for the post credit scene. It was so weird. It could have all just been one scene. It was just like a news flash, wasn't it? It was like Dateline. <laughs> a big purple storm came through and a guy called Adrian Toomes has appeared in prison. We don't know why he's there, so we've let him go. Like, what? <laughs> hey? <laughs> I mean, it, it's yeah, literally because the it, snake eating its own tail. Because if a random person it? turned up in prison who you don't even know, you would <laughs> let them go. Surely, this guy <laughs> seems fine. <laughs> there is no record of this person. Oh god. But yeah, when like prior to that, when the third act becomes the inevitable good ish vampire versus the bad or definitely bad vampire. Mm. It's just like, okay, cool, can we get over it please? It with the bats at the end was just like Genuinely the Christopher Nolan school of bats and <laughs> didn't take bats. a good lesson from it. <laughs> yeah. Um I just felt like Genuine. It got halfway through. It got halfway through, and like past the bit with the boat, which was probably the highlight, if you can call it that. <laughs> um, and I just felt like I feel like I've seen this film a million times before. Yeah. And more specifically, it was around two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, when film studios couldn't care one jot 
about comic book films and just gave them to any old sort who gave in the most derivative, tedious, dull, nothing sludge. But instead of that, you've got, again, a director who's capable of making really interesting, fun B-movie fare. And it's just been chopped to bits in the aim of a, well, the vain aim, it seems, of a cinematic universe, which seems to be absolutely stalled because you've got some absolute incomprehension between one universe, which is already working, and this multiverse theory, which doesn't seem to be going both ways, but is, but isn't. And it just, (sighs) God. Anyway, we're going to have another one of this when Craven the Hunter comes out in like two years. So oh, yeah, definitely. And um, oh, God. I also found out that apparently the writers of Morbius are going to be writing the Madame Web movie. Yeah. Oh, great. Cool. So absolutely, again, can't wait to be saying this in, in yeah. whatever, three years time. But we go, oh, oh well, Dakota Johnson's tried her best. Yeah, literally. Instead Sydney of, Sweeney Jesus what, Christ, yeah. why is this clown <laughs> on my big screen again? Yeah. Also, um, I just want to talk about the fact that Tyrese Gibson fell for uh, a fake screenshot of Martin Scorsese saying that he thought that Morbius was the height of. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Also, uh, okay, that's not even getting into the cops, but oh lord. Yeah, because that's a complete other bloody story, isn't it? This film gave me a headache. Yeah. And it's not even, you know what? It's not even as bad as everyone is kicking it for. It's just rubbish and boring. And it's still frustrating the hell out of me. Yeah, it's really boring. It's very boring. Right. Well, let's move on to a film by DreamWorks, which to be fair. Actually, can we we do that a bit later? Because I've not seen the last two on the list. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Also, because I just want to hear you talking about the bubble, really. Okay. Yeah, sure. And then, I don't want to hear Callum sure, praising we'll get, the sure novice. Sure, we'll get right to that. Well, yeah. Um, Fair I, enough. <laughs> excuse me. I've seen the novice too. Thank you. Oh, we, oh, okay. Okay. So, yes, very quickly then, we'll roll through these two that me and Callum have seen that Simon hasn't. Um, and they are the novice and the bubble. So, we'll start off with the novice. Uh, the novice is a, uh, starring Isabel Thurman from the orphan fame. Uh, you might might also know her as one of the children that dies in the first Hunger Games, um, and it is set it at a I don't know what specific college it is in America. I don't can't quite remember, um, but uh, her character is a, a university student, and she's like a physics student, so it's a very demanding uh, syllabus and curriculum. But she wants to push herself um, and be part of the uh, the schools, the college's rowing team. Um, and essentially, the film follows her during like her her year at college, where she's trying to juggle doing college and also trying to be the best that she possibly can at rowing and trying to get to make the team and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much in a nutshell what the novice is about. Callum, what did you think of the novice? Well, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Um, well, I'm just gonna come out and say it. I love this film. I think 
like I saw this via screener uh, at the end of last year, and it made my top ten of twenty twenty one. I think this is a fantastic film, just a phenomenal debut from uh, Lauren Hadaway, but also just a magnificent performance from Isabel Furman, not just like mentally and emotionally, but physically embodying this character too. Like, if I had to describe this film in terms of what I would compare it to other films, then comparisons between Black Swan and Whiplash are probably the most yeah. apt. And not just because I could be wrong, but I think Lauren Hadaway was a sound editor or a sound designer on Whiplash <laughs> okay. prior to this yeah. film. But yeah, this is such a great film at looking at the pressure, the self-pressure and peer pressure of being the best in your field, of wanting to be at the peak of your physical fitness and wanting to be at the top of your game, both, you know, mentally, physically, whatever you can think of, because it's such an interesting philosophy of uh, Isabel Furman's character is that she's majoring in physics, which is her weakest subject, but she's doing it because she has this constant need to prove to herself that she can do it. And that even if she's not the best, she can be in one realm if she puts in the work and she embodies that philosophy right to the core and as such, you see her, I think, uh, I don't know if you've heard or not, but Isabel Furman guested on this podcast called Feeling Seen uh, just about the start of this year, where she talked about her role and she talked about how she gained something like 12 pounds of muscle in the oh progress of making this film. And you can physically yeah. see that happening throughout the film as she's becoming more obsessed with being the best, more determined to i guess outrank everybody and but also as as she's like growing stronger her mind is breaking the entire time she's actually succumbing to some form of derangement just to kind of prove that she's not a weakling and yeah, it's completely it's so suspenseful it's so intense the sound design the the lighting the editing it's all so visceral it's so so good i just you know, I was, it's just so nail-biting and not because that, not just because that's a habit that the main character has of doing, but I I, I just loved this, if you couldn't tell. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. It is, it is like the ultimate cautionary tale of um, you know, ha what price do we want to pay to to be the best and to be the greatest? And, you know, if you watch the film, Isabel Furman's character pays a very hefty price in all walks of her life, from her academic life to her personal life, and her physical health and mental health and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and it really just like is brilliant, and it's like depiction of of how society treats us as people. Uh, that you know, and especially in the case of Isabel Furman's character, who like you said, has this drive and this passion to not only like rub toes with the best, but to be the best. Um and yeah, no, it is absolutely brilliant. It should be filed into the category of films where you have sweaty palms the entire time whilst watching oh, it. Yeah, one hundred percent. What one hundred percent and I I mean Honestly, I think Isabel Furman's performance, like the way she embodies this character physically, mentally, emotionally, mm. all all the senses, like 
for me, her performance is as good as someone like Renette Sevs in Worst Person in the World or Kristen Stewart in Spencer. Like, this was one of the best performances from a woman last year. And so, of course, she wasn't recognized well, of for course, it. Of course. But yeah, no, absolutely, truly wonderful film. And I believe it is out in cinemas. So, yeah, definitely go and watch it. Go see it. Right, moving on to The Bubble, which is the latest film from Jud <sighs> Apatow. And you know what? I'll start off by saying when the marketing and promotion for this film first started, I was hyped for it. I thought, you know what? This is so clever. This is so interesting. Um, you know, you've got this star-studded cast of people. Um, and it was refreshing to see such an interesting way of, of promoting said film. Then you would imagine my surprise after I watched the film um, and the fact that it is utterly terrible. <laughs> um, it is by far and away uh, Judd Apatow's worst film that he has probably ever made. Um, and it's a shame because... <laughs> so essentially what happens is um, in this world, uh, in the, the the world of the film, there is a franchise called Cliff Beasts, and Cliff Beast Six is being made. But because of the coronavirus pandemic, uh, the cast have to isolate in an English hotel altogether, um, so that they can make the film. And the film, the the bubble, the film is essentially like the documentation of their life inside the hotel during the quarantining and stuff, and also um, of them making Cliff B6. And it's got an absolutely star-studded cast. It's got Karen Gillan, Keegan-Michael Key, David Duchovny, Leslie Mann. You've also got um, Guz Khan, Peter Serafinovich, Kate McKinnon, um, Pedro Pascal. I mean, uh, Maria Bakalova is in it too. There's just so many people in this film and it's such a wonderful cast um, that it is such a massive shame to say that it really does suck. <laughs> um, so this is the thing. I think we're still in this kind of like weird segment. I mean, the pandemic hasn't just ended. It's not over. We are still in it. But we also seem to be in this place where like, if you're going to make a film that is set during the pandemic or during COVID, I feel like it's, I feel like it's got to fit very specific criteria for it to be a film that, you know, is going to be received well by its audience. And I don't, I can't think of many quarantine COVID films that I have actually enjoyed or wanted to seek out and watch off the top of my head. Um, but I think the thing with this is that it, even now, it already feels like a dated film, if you get what I mean. Like oh, it yeah, 100%. Already feels like it belongs in 2020 and that it just shouldn't even... It just doesn't even exist. Like <laughs> it, it, It's meant to be a comedy, I think. I think I maybe laughed at three or four things throughout the two hour and six minute runtime of this film, which might I say is so long. Can I, can I just say like, it's, 
it's a two hour long movie it felt like five it really oh did God. feel so so long i as saying this to somebody yesterday i have never needed to take a nap after watching a film but after watching the bubble i had i had to go to sleep i just had to I, it just completely took everything out of me. It was exhausting. It wasn't funny. It wasn't. It wasn't smart. It wasn't. It just isn't great. I feel sorry for all of the amazing actors that are in this film, who, again, as Matt Smith and Morbius, deserve much better. <laughs> I mean, I'm flip flopping quite a bit here because i just talked about the novice which was one of my favorite films of 2021 mm. but uh, uh, this is comfortably the worst film i've seen so far in 2022 and and i saw the nan movie it's uh, i just uh, it, it's the kind of bad where you don't even really know where to begin with it to be honest like morbius was bad but it was the kind but like Simon said, it was mostly just boring. I could kind of move on with my life after I'd seen it. This was, mm. it was just so badly judged, so obnoxious, so, so utterly devoid of charm and a complete waste of everybody involved. And I, you know, I, I say this for all the the worst reasons, but it reminded me of movie 43 <laughs> in, oh, in the sense that there's just such a wonderful cast of of really talented people and it you know i'm convinced they were held under duress or something like by the halfway point of the film <laughs> where you know half the actors have been mistreated on set because you know i guess abuse during the covid is funny i guess whatever their logic yeah. was and they all want to leave the set they want to escape like i you know i wouldn't be surprised if it became a documentary at that point because even you could almost see like the the enthusiasm draining away in Karen Gillan's yeah. eyes the further we get on with the film. It's... And like, here's the thing. You said you laughed about three or four times, Alex. And yeah, I laughed a couple times as well, but not because it was funny. It was completely unfunny. The only... In a sense of like... The only funny thing it... in the entire film was Pedro Pascal's accent. That's it. Because of how jarring it was hearing it. For... And, yeah. and to be honest... And this is completely down to Pedro Pascal, probably. But I I laughed at that quite a few times, maybe more times than I should have. Uh, There was one bit I distinctly remember laughing at, and it's the bit where, you know, uh, Pedro Pascal's character, uh, Maria Blomkvist's character, they clearly want to have sex Mm. with each other. But, you know, as per usual bad comedies, you know, things keep getting in the way. And then this one this bellboy or something comes in, they start talking about like unclogging um, yes. toilets or something. And I used the word toilet so often in the space of one minute that like I did laugh, but not because it was funny, but because it was, I was literally in one of those laugh or cry <laughs> situations. And I had to pick one of them. It's yeah. And it just, you know, I'm not one of those people who's like, you know, Oh, you know, I, I think some people can sometimes look to get offended by things sometimes, but this generally did feel quite offensive, or at the very least, very ill-judged in regards to its meta-commentary on the pandemic or yeah. like what or what's popular in films nowadays. I think just... the, the bottom line is, is that people need to stop trying to make satires when they are part of the problem. 
Yeah, 100%. And it's... Uh, this is... Uh, like, genuinely, there were a few... I, I've only ever, like, given up on one film in my entire time of reviewing films, but this was one way. I had to pause the film and give myself a breather a good couple times when I was watching. Yeah, it's there just, was a... The, I watched this with a couple just, of people um, because I wanted to make them suffer too. Um, but it, there, there was very much a, a few times where we checked how long was left and we were like, how has it only been half an hour? Oh my God, how is there still an hour left of this film kind of thing? Like... It just yeah, just completely torrid, um, and I would say not to watch it. Don't even waste your time. No, it's like like genuinely. If I if by the end of twenty twenty two I've somehow managed to see ten films worse than this, then I'm uh. quitting <laughs> because it's 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 just it's not funny. It's not charming. It's not clever. It's just embarrassing. Thousand yeah, percent. Well, there you are. That's the bubble. I'm sure Simon will be running to watch this now. Yeah, I, I, oh my gosh, it's on my, uh, I'm going to see it before boiling point. I'm only going to watch the bubble. Yeah, you've got to watch the bubble. <laughs> right, okay, so final film, very quickly. The Bad Guys, a new film from DreamWorks. It seems like it's been forever since we've I had know, a DreamWorks really does. film. Gosh, um, The Boss Baby 2 was only like... <laughs> Fox. <laughs> uh, anyway, yes. Um, so, uh, it's a film starring all of the, the usual, uh, kind of animals that you would consider to be bad. You've got a wolf, you've got uh, a snake, you've got a piranha, a shark, and a tarantula. Um, and they are the bad guys. Um, they quite often do bank jobs and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and they they pull off a bank job and after the bank job they get caught and uh, they decide that they're going to try and pretend to be good so that they can pull off an even bigger heist and the story kind of goes from there i i'm going to i'll i'll come out and say i really enjoyed this i thought it was uh nice and fresh interesting um i think it was Again, we've said this about four times this podcast, but it was a bit too long. I think it it was quite flabby in places um, where it didn't need to be. I think there was maybe a plot twist too many, um, personally, but I thought the voice cast was on top form. Um, the animation was brilliant and inventive. And I, yeah, I, I, I had a, a really pretty decent time with this, apart from the fact that every time the um, the guinea pig talked all i could think of was oh that's richard iowardi <laughs> <laughs> professor marmalade isn't it yes i think that is uh what what they're called um put it this way i watched ambulance and the bad guys on the same day and the bad guys is the better heist movie out of the two <laughs> i mean <laughs> uh, you can't say fairer than that um with this film, yeah, this is an interesting one. So I've had my own little journey with the bad guys since watching it over the weekend. I've been up, down, left, right, side to side. Over the Irish <laughs> Sea. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, might as well, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, over the hills and far away. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one because you have so much going for it. Like you say, it is too long. 
I think it like much like this podcast, to be honest. Yes, we have gone quite far. Come on, wrap it, up, wrap it up now. Right. Okay, 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 okay. Um, what I will say is that the voice acting is really good. I think Sam Rockwell is well suited to that kind of. Uh, well, they even say going full Clooney, like that kind of Clooney esque. Well, weirdly uh, enough, you say about Simon because I was trying to work out who it was the entire time. I didn't know it was Sam Rockwell. I was oh, genuinely okay. surprised when Sam Rockwell came up on the screen. But interestingly enough, for the majority of it, I was like, that's George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> but oh my gosh, the, he's he's great though. Uh, and then you got like Anthony Ramos is the piranha. Uh, you got Mark, who's Mark, also always great. Yes, Mark Maron is the the snake. Mark Maron is the snake. Uh, Craig Robertson's the shark. Aquafina is the tarantula, and Zazie Beetz is the mayor. Uh, Diane Foxington. Yes. And what I will say, this is so there are two audiences I think for this film. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> one of them is the audience with whom I watched it. Uh, again, I watched this on the same day as Sonic, so it was a Saturday in the uh, right at the start of the Easter holidays, packed with parents taking their kids to something. Um, I don't know if this was as well received by the audience in this as it was with Sonic. Um, about two thirds of the way through, one child very loudly went, "Can we go home now?" Um, oh, no, and. I I don't think that that child has really appreciated what DreamWorks have done here because I I did enjoy it. Like I said, I've been on my own journey. At one point, I kind of agreed with the kid because it's like it is long, um, and yeah, there are maybe too many twists and too many turns, and but it, it is fun, and I think that it will pick up some traction down the line. I think it will like the, I'm guessing the idea is because this is based on a series of books, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. so, so I, my guess is that they want to turn this into a franchise, and I wouldn't be surprised because the characters are likeable enough, and things are left with, you know, enough slack where it could be, like, tidied away enough to be like, yeah, that was a fine thing on its own, or oh. make it into something else. Yeah. Um, however, when trying to... When, when, when going through my journey with this after watching the film... I wanted to go through uh, social media, you know, and get get an idea of what the what the the current was. Get my finger on that pulse, as we mentioned, or my pulse on that finger. And um, let's just say, yeah, it will it will certainly find an audience with some people. Uh, Sam Rockwell's and Zezzy Beats' characters have already been immortalized oh, no. <laughs> in. Oh, <laughs> Is this, is this rule 34? It is. Chance? It is that magic rule. Oh, no. um, They haven't hesitated. The film's been out as of recording four or five days. Yeah. They have literally not not even blinked. <laughs> um, It's something I can... I mean, yeah. Right, yeah, we'll move on. Okay. We'll move on. <laughs> Callum, in 280 characters or less, please explain your thoughts on the bad guys. Um, yeah, so I was really won over by the bad guys. Like, I do agree. I think it's maybe a bit long. I think it's just shy of two hours as mm. well. And that is that is quite demanding of some younger audiences. And yeah, I do agree there's maybe a twist too many. But, you know, the animation is really fluid and colourful and lovely. The, the, act, the voice acting is really on par. And I really appreciate its zany approach to its humor and its heist its heist like plot but 
also it's like wider themes on kind of not just the obvious one of like not judging a book by its cover but also kind of like sonic in a way the camaraderie that can be found even among people who are seen as outcasts and that and that if you just have if you just have i guess your crew both in the sense of it's a heist crew and your crew is in your band of friends then that's really all you need to get through life is just some really good friends so yeah, it's a bit it's a bit on the long end and I think I don't think it would work quite as well for the younger, younger kids. It's probably better suited to kind of eight and yeah, over, yeah. maybe, but but yeah, no, I was really won over by this film. I thought it was really charming. I, I liked it a lot. Oh. I just want to say one last thing because I don't want my review of it to end on the note it did. Mm-hmm. Uh Daniel Pemberton's score is brilliant. I think it's yes. really good. Yeah. It's he is it's very Oh good. my god, he is such a talent. And I think he's already proved that with his like Spider Verse score and like things that mm-hmm. he did with yesterday and things like that. But yeah, this is it was a treat to sit through it with that score, genuinely. Yeah. Well, there we are. We're at the end. Again. Finally. April <laughs> again. Wow. wow, this this podcast <laughs> was an hour and forty minutes too long. I'd um, say people are gonna be reviewing this saying it's too long. I can't wait for the review of Jumpcast. <laughs> No, the, the, the irony of over well, <laughs> well, there we are. That's it. Thank you so much, Callum, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Uh, it's been a blast to be back on, guys. I've really loved it. Thank you. And Simon, of course. He'll be back <laughs> next week with me. And say so next week's going to be an interesting one. Yes. Um, well, there is a certain film coming out uh, uh, next week, but we here on Jumpcast, they're taking the hard line. We're not going to talk about it. No. Um, what we will yeah, do I... is instead promote some films from uh, trans filmmakers and some films about trans people and the trans experience because we feel that our time, and your time specifically as well, is better suited to that and not to uh, promoting and talking about a film that is written by um, a transphobic, um, terrible Bigot. person. Bigot. Yeah. Yeah. So there we are. That's what uh, we're going to do. Yeah. And as someone who's seen the film in question via press screening, trust me, you're not missing much, guys. Well, there you are. That that there is literally all that will be said about that film That's on it. this podcast. That's it. <laughs> Ten seconds. It's all it deserves. Right. Well, thank you very much for listening. As always, I've been Alex. Simon has been Simon, and Callum has been uh-huh. Callum. Goodbye. Bye. Bye bye.